0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The format of this episode will be a little different than we do usually. We're going to do some of the sources before reading the truva, rather than starting from the Tshuva and moving back when necessary, and uh, we'll see that the use of the phrase um, that we're focusing on is also different than in most cases. Okay, so we're starting from Mishnah, Yivama, Staf, Kofi, Zayim, and Aleph. The Mishnah declares that the halacha is hakon e'manim l'ha'idah, that everyone is allowed to testify to be part of the chain of evidence regard, uh, regarding a, the death of, of a husband that frees, uh, that frees a woman to remarry, except for uh, five women who have relationships with her. Uh, those five women begin with uh, her mother-in-law, Hamosa, the daughter of her mother-in-law, and her co-wife, Vitsarasa. Uh, the okay, says, based on the Gemara, that the reason those five women are different, yeah, tell in an ancient joke, uh, but here taken very seriously, uh, right, That's because these women, there is a legal presumption that hatred among them is common enough that even though we have relaxed the ordinary standards of evidence and we allow anyone to testify, um, we don't allow these five women to testify uh, because we think that they might be trying to destroy her life by, you know, getting her to falsely believe her husband, uh, her husband has died, and now she'll marry somebody else. And the consequences for that uh, are that um, she's right; she can't marry either her first husband or her second husband. Tatezay Mizu Mizu, and her children are I and mean, Life is really, uh, life is life is really quite miserable. Um, now, in the list of of people included in this um, hakol, if you take a look at the um, at the prior, the prior sif of Shulchan Arach. so we're in of we're in, uh, Zion, uh, sif Gimel. He says, um, mm-hmm. "So our relaxation of the standards of evidence extends even to Jews who have completely rejected Judaism, uh, even to, um, to, to non-Jews, even idolaters. Um, so long as for the last category, is they're only believed." if they are Messichot Lufituman, if they are testifying without understanding the import of their testimony. Right? So we have uh right, so we exclude uh the, so they are ordinarily excluded. The the normal right, the, the complete relaxation does not extend to uh right to to apostates and it does not extend to these five women but the um but it is extended to apostates so long as they are Testifying Tuman, and that leaves open the question of, well, what about these five women if they're testifying Lefituman? So the Beit Shmuel says, quoting the Shut Shar Ephraim Simen Kafe, that the co wife, the third woman on the list, cannot testify even if she doesn't understand the import of her testimony. And so far as I can tell, uh, subsequent authorities, at least the ones relevant to Rav Moshe, assume that that is true of the other four uh, categories of women, or anyone else on that list of people excluded because of Cheska Sono Zuazu. Even though the, you know, the, um, the, the 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 exact precedent is only quoted regarding Sarasa. Um, okay, so now right, so uh, now we're assuming based, uh, that the f- five women. Are excluded even if they're misichot lefi um, tuman. But the pesachet quotes the Knesset uh, miheskel, who says this is really uh, puzzling because once we've eliminated the formal requirements, so now we have to figure out. So why don't we extend it to these five women? So it must be that Chazal essentially put in another a new requirement, which is we allow anyone to testify unless they are right, unless they hate the woman in question. Now regarding these five women, we extend it so far as to say not even if we don't have specific evidence of their hatred we only have put them in a class where we know hatred is common that's enough but kal if we had uh, right if we had a kusher aide who we knew uh, right who we knew hated them right so the fact of the fact uh, of hatred clearly uh, prevents Chazal from accepting testimony below the normal standard of two witnesses even one witness should be invalidated so the the pishatra quotes um, two answers uh, one from the marotot of Ot, and the other from the uh from the Corbin uh, Haida. Um, and both of those answers draw distinctions between um, sorry, the Marasov's quotes the Corbin um uh sorry, the Keskil and is an answer and then the, Korben, the Mara then Maras so quoting the Corbin Haida. And uh, what they both give answers distinguishing men from women, right? So a kasher, the first answer is that a Kusher aid is not invalidated for these purposes by Sina because we assume that a kasher male aide is motivated uh, to tell the truth by their desire to preserve their credibility, their cheskas and if the husband were to show up alive, then that, that person would become invalid as a testimony for the future, so that motivates them. So, even though the prohibition of Sina applies to, these, uh, applies to women, it doesn't apply to men who are kusharaydim. And the second answer is maybe women are more emotionally driven by hatred, right? Nashim kalos, which you can, it was difficult to, to, to know exactly what it means in any specific context. But you end up with a distinction between men and women, to which the Pesri um, Shiva says, okay, so now you've explained the question about a kusharayd, but what about the other women, right? For these purposes, women and men are equivalent. For testimony, because i all relaxed the requirements. So, if you're going to say that these five women are invalid to testify because their are cheskas sonos there's a presumption. So, if we had a woman who's not one of the five women, but she certainly does hate, we have evidence that she hates this, that she hates the uh, possible widow. Then, of course, she should be psula. And on this, the the um, the the pesach um, where again we're in, uh, it's now we're in chafe. Beshechitshiva concludes by saying the following: lanu um, torah that a new Torah would come out of this, and this is not a compliment. Uh, but this is an expression of incredulity that a woman, even if she's not part of the five of the five, of the that list of five women, if we know that she has hatred towards the potential the possible widow, she's invalid. Uh, and it's only men who are right who are known to hatred are kosher uh, for either reason." Um, and so, therefore, we say we say those five women are psulos, that's because they're the ones who are psulos only with the Khazaka, whereas all women are psulos if they are known to hatred. Uh, <laughs> he says, This requires investigation to me because I've never heard anybody say that we invalidate the testimony of an unrelated woman um, as, as to a husband's death. On the ground that um, that the witness has the woman who is a witness has pre, uh, has previously expressed hatred toward the um, toward the possible widow. Okay, we're going to move now to igris moshe evan ezrach alef Simon mem dalit and mem hey. Uh, these are not the tribute in which the phrase appears, but it's necessary to do them uh, in the lead up. Uh, so this is talking about um, somebody. Uh, this, these are trivit from. From uh, 7 uh, uh, 1947 they're written to Chacham Echad. so at least I don't know uh, who they were they were written to uh, tufshin um, toughfshin Zion um, so we're in uh, 1947 um, and right there's a man there's a there's a man who there's testimony um, was taken to the gas chambers, um, and he also is known to have a particular, a particular illness that would have led the the Nazis in the sorting to uh, to kill him rather than preserve him. The issue is that all this testimony comes from his mother or the woman's mother-in-law, and she's uh, high, you know she's the first one on the list of the five women who can't testify. Um, but she's testifying mesechel fituma because all this comes from a letter that she wrote to her grandchildren, asking them. Uh, to say Kaddish for the husband, and not because uh not because she's in is in any way involved in trying to free the widow um, directly or has any idea that's how her testimony is going to be used um so Ramosha says the following um, regarding regarding the regarding the woman who has this case and she's testifying innocently, Avali says but he says many Rishonim hold that it doesn't work even if they're It's a little interesting. He says many Rishonim because uh, the Beit didn't quote many Rishonim. But let's um, let's assume that, that I think it means Rishonim, Rishonim. I don't think it just means people prior. But let's assume that there is such uh, such evidence, even though I haven't seen it. Even though Reb says I am Beit Shmuel, some you I have cut new so says, Tam Eskalasa. Suppose it's a case where there's no reason for this mother in law to hate her daughter in law. right, as in our case, where the where the woman the, the daughter in law and the grandchildren are in America, and the husband was in Europe in a place which were completely destroyed during the Shoah, um, and everyone is impoverished. And so it's obvious that the children aren't going to come there to inherit. And so it sounds like Moshe thinks that the underlying rationale, different ways to understand the Gemara, is that the mother-in-law is jealous of the, right, of the inheritance and here, there's, there's no inheritance, and if there were any inheritance, the uh, pit, some pit, pitting inheritance, the grandchildren wouldn't come to inherit it, so there's no basis for this woman to have hatred towards her daughter-in-law, right? So now we're out of the realm of the joke, right? It's not the essential relationship, it's some kind of economic consequence. Um, so this is against the bitch, but to allow this woman to remarry it seems to be against the bitch Moshe identifies as many rishonim. But he says, I think, sister of Moshe, to this Chacham Echad, the correct thing is to be matir. Why? He says, <laughs> He says, Look, if we know that she has no motive to hate her, then she doesn't hate her. So now the only question is, she doesn't hate her, so it's not a credibility problem. It just has to be that that's the form of the Takana. They said these women are excluded, and they said these women are excluded absolutely, low plug, right? We don't start making fine distinctions and starting to judge it, right? Because we don't want to end up judging case-by-case credibility. The whole point of rules is that we don't have to judge um, case-by-case. All right, and he says, that comes from a note of byhuda, uh Madura Tiniana, Helech, Eben Ezra uh, right, who's, right, who has a case where it's not clear whether the mother-in-law should hate her, should hate her child? Uh, as for example, right, he constructs a case where there's no inheritance um, because um, because she marries after the father, after the after the father dies. So right, some and the nadibuya, as Moshe reports him, says that there's no. Um, that at least there's a possibility that we say lo plug, and therefore we can't. All uh, right, we can't release her. So that should be the same thing. Here says Rav Moshe, uh, but he says no. Uh, he doesn't think it's exactly the um, same thing. Why is it not the same thing? So Rav Moshe says that he has a fundamental problem here, um, which is lo plug is chumrah. And the underlying principle in Igun cases is Beguna The whole The whole thing we're doing here is making this, uh, right, is relaxing the standards of evidence to allow the woman to remarry. So why would we put in a plug, uh, a low plug rule that we don't make distinctions when our whole point here is that we're trying to do everything to free her? They end up saying this woman whose husband is actually dead, we believe he's actually dead, but we're going to be machmir on her because of the... Uh, right, because we don't want to make distinctions, that seems implausible to him, and he finds that also the, uh, the Marachash, uh, Rechaim Shabtai is a, a, a Greek posik in the um, late 16th, early 17th century, also says this principle that there shouldn't be low plug by Yigod, and the problem is that it disagrees with the um, with, with the Nishnah and the possibility raised by the Nobudha, so we need to make a distinction. Uh, so we need to make a distinction. Um, and he says so. He really has two. Dis- he, has, he has two questions now. He says one is I don't think there should be low plugging eugen cases at all, and the other is the question from the Pesach Tshuva, which is how can it end up being uh, even if you accept the tirism of the of the Korban Aida, uh, Mara Zetzova, Sveta, the Knesset Yisrael that how can it be that you end up with a halacha that suggests that uh, all women other than the five women if they are known to hate the, uh, the 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 uh, possible widow in question can't testify. There's no precedent for claiming that. So, a uh, he's bothered by low plugs, and b he's bothered by the um, by the implication. Um, okay, so how do we resolve this? He says, "V'lechein." Lomar made a really uh, a really wild move. He says, what "We have to say is that nobody Chassid Shalom thinks that Jews with a cheskas kashrus, male or female, would lie because they hate somebody." Right, that's what the Cheskas kashos means is you don't lie because of it, but what's going on here is Chazal are 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 um, vacating some of the standard laws of evidence. They're letting people testify uh, or letting individuals testify. What ordinarily, we require two male Kasheredim. So now they're trying to figure out how far are we going to go with this extension. They said to extend this heter to these women who have a Chazaka of sinah. It's not that we suspect any individual of lying. Once they testified, if we allowed them to, we would have to trust them like we trust everyone else. But it makes us nervous, so we're not going to include them in the leniency. Um, so therefore, he says, it's not a little plug l'chumra. We're not being machmir and allowing people to, and, and not allowing people to testify who should be able to. Uh, what we're saying is we didn't extend the kula initially. Now, that may be a sort of semantic game why don't we, well, we could say, why didn't they extend the Takana to, um, to to women in this case? Well, it's going to turn out that they actually did. So how are we going to do that? Because they say, look, there's no way that, there's no way we can say that Loplug Plug extends to the Mesichal Lefitumah, not Mesichal Lefitumah distinction, because we know that there's another class of people whom Chazal fundamentally excluded from the Takana, that's apostates and uh, idolaters, and yet we do trust them when they testify, um, when they testify l'fituman, um, so it must be that the low plug really goes the other way. That the testimonies we believe, just about all witnesses except for these, uh, except for these five women apostates and idolaters, and all the people who are excluded are believed if they're misichot l'fituman. So that's great. All right, that's a great svar. now we we know that there are no plug, there are no low plugs in aguna cases. It just leaves us with the question. Um, why did the Nota B'hudda and the Nagi Mishnah um, not get this? So here Moshe comes up with um, yet another uh, spectacular um, move. He says, well, there's a difference between suspecting people who are Mesichot lefituman and suspecting people of Faking being messiah l'fitumah, that we believe you're messiah l'fitumah, that's a given. But some people, we we are afraid, have set up this situation. Maybe this mother-in-law wrote the letter to her grandchildren in America, um, knowing like that because it looked so it looked so innocent and unaware of the implications that her daughter-in-law would use it, and that would be that would you know, enable her uh, her wicked plan of messing up her daughter-in-law's life to go into into action. So now Rosh says. So what the Noda and the uh, Magid Mishnah are talking about is they're afraid that women are uh, that women are act- that these women are actually going to engage in this trickery. So in a case where we know there isn't actually any uh, any hatred, it's just Loplug, So if it's just Loplug, then we don't write this new suspicion that they're going to fake be maseyach tuman doesn't apply, and so therefore any. If these five women present themselves as being misichot lefituman in a circumstance where we don't really have a chazaka that they hate each other, it's just a little plug. We can uh, we we can believe them, and therefore Rav Moshe says to the shacham that he thinks in this case, we um, despite the fact that there is a mishnah which says that these five women are ineligible to testify about the death of the husband, we can free this woman uh, based exclusively on the testimony of her mother-in-law. Okay, let's move on to the uh, truva that is really the subject of this episode. Uh, now we're in 5710, Tafshin Yud, This truva is written to Rav Hagonim of Forsomer of Rav Dov Ber Shlita Gonav Bez in Buffalo. You can look his forum up on Hebrew books. I haven't had a chance to look at them uh, in depth yet, but he's a parish in Horios, which, uh, which always interests me. And you have roughly the identical case. The details are a little different. The husband went over the border um uh trying to escape the the Soviets as opposed to being taken to the gas chambers. Uh he drowned. Um and the testimony comes from the husband's sister and not from the the husband's mother from Bat Batchamota presumably. Um but roughly the the, the outlines of it are, are the same. So the Rabbi in Buffalo Rabbi Zuckerman tried to come with an interesting claim as as to why this case is different by saying that maybe in the time of the Holocaust nobody had time to hate anybody uh, generally, uh, Rambam says that's too subjective, but he agrees that this you know, that this is the case because the grounds uh, again he thinks the grounds of hatred will be the inheritance, and everybody knows that in this period of time in Europe nobody getting an inheritance um, at all. Um, so there was no there's no such suspicion. I gather it's a letter that was written at the time, uh, not now, not not years later. Um, so we end up structurally in the same position that there's one of the, one of the women on the list. Uh, who uh, about whom there uh, there are reasons to, to believe that the chazaka doesn't apply, um, and Rav Moshe goes and presumably also she's Messichot she's misichah lafituma. Um, the um, yeah that, that's clear from the case, and Rav Moshe goes through the same logic. Um, right? He says, how can we say that there's a low plug that's machbir when we guna rabbanan that should always be lenient um he's, and he says right, are we really gonna say that uh, right? that we know what the halacha is that uh that men and women uh who are not on that list are allowed to testify even if they actually hate the uh hate the widow, so how can we exclude these five women just because there's a chazaka that they hate um and he says so look at the pisva uh, who asked this? Right? Who asked this question? And he says, "And look, their first level of distinction is we can separate between men and women. <speaking in Hebrew> we we'll exclude all women, but not men." <speaking in Hebrew> that Rambam says, obviously, cannot be said, <speaking in Hebrew> as the Piskech <speaking in Hebrew> himself says, <speaking in Hebrew> "That we never heard anybody making this claim that a women." Uh, who have a prior history of hatred are uh, but are not part of these five women um, are excluded so this is different from the case we've seen previously because Lenitan Leer is not used um, directly to against the suggestion that Revmosha's correspondent is using it is instead used. Um, about a source in Rav Moshe's, in Rav Moshe's argument, that Jalakir never brought it up. And it's interesting because we see that there are two tshuvot that are roughly identical, and Rav Moshe uses the phrase in one of them and not the other. And the ground of it, uh, is even though it's right here, it's being really being used against suggestions by two achronim quoted by the Pishrei Tshuva. Um, on the other hand, Rav Moshe is... Basically, just adding himself, the piskich says, "Wow, that would be a really wild thing. We never heard about this." emotion says, "Because we never heard this, therefore, it's um, right, therefore it's impossible that it could be true." Um, so the question is, does is that really what it means? Uh, I think the right way to read it is it can't be said as the Pesre Tshuva himself concludes we've never heard this. Now, it's not obvious the Pesre says that it can't be true because he's never heard it. It just is puzzled because he's never heard it. Uh, so it could be that Raboshah is just jumping on the Pesre Tshuva and saying that, you know what, when people come up with wild Chidushim that, to, that no one's ever suggested before, they're wrong. Uh, of course, Raboshah himself comes up with wild Chidushim that no one ever suggested before. Uh, including this shuvah, there may be things that no one has uh, suggested before. Uh, right, it's really a. There are two very clever moves. Um, so it could be that, um, but I would rather uh, suggest that what Moshe is really saying is it can't be that there's a chumrah in the realm of igun um, that nobody's ever heard of before. That would go against you know, right, the notion that there's this huge chumrah. That is not suggested anywhere in the uh, anywhere in the sources. Rav has already laid the principle: be gune hekiler banan. So you can't say lo plug. Um, right, he has a, another clever move that you can't say a little plug about any, uh, we didn't see it in the first trip, but in the second trip, he has it, you can't say a little plug about anything that is not explicitly mentioned in the Gemara so since the Gemara never explicitly excludes these five women if they're mesichot lefitumah, then you can't say lefitumah then you can't say a little plug about that so I would rather say that um, what drives what Riv drives Moshe in this case is the impossibility of there uh, being an unknown khumra in Igun, and that this is part of Moshe's general principle, that Mishum Igun HaKilir is tells you that you are entitled to be results-oriented. At the end of um, this, Yals, he has another important point, uh, Here he says that the woman herself, which is not uh, relevant to our specific case, but I think it's really worth saying, he says, look, the woman uh says that she received a heter uh from a rabbi in uh, right from from a rabbi in surah we can't confirm that at all, but she says it and you might think well, maybe that rabbi made a mistake um and he released her when uh, she should not have or you might think that uh, right this is particularly the case right this is where she gets really radical because based on the story that she is telling us it would have been a mistake right? he says um a um, right um right so we should believe her right? we believe her because of pesha aster pesha Heter that the rabbi actually issued issued the heter, um because nobody but maybe the rabbi made a mistake um right because the story she's telling us doesn't wouldn't give us grounds for heter on the way right on the way that uh, that um that she said because we didn't have the other testimony yet so he says lefid speak la even if according to her own words, the story she tells us, the rabbi should not have been Matir. we can say, look, that rabbi we didn't make didn't make a mistake. She's just forgetting some evidence and we can't get it uh right, we can't get it we can't get it right. And then before that he said, uh can not uh right, we should believe her that she was permitted to remarry by a famous rabbi in Munich. He says, I mean, certainly, if, if a, right, if a Rav Chashev I assume that, I assume, but maybe I'm wrong, right, that she didn't just say some rabbi in Munich, I don't remember whom. Well, that would also be the case, right, if Pesh Asher if she says it was a prominent rabbi in Munich, so then... We believe there was a prominent rabbi in Munich. Could go that far. It could be that Rabosha knows the name and isn't um, and isn't using it. Um, but once we have testimony that is that a um, a Rav we consider sufficient, whether it's because she testifies that it was a Rav we would consider sufficient or because we know directly that it was a Rav we considered sufficient, gave her a heter. Um, so he says at that point, even if that heter doesn't make sense to us with the story she's telling now, we are certainly not obligated to ask after Zahra, but, and maybe we are also not permitted. Uh, right? So that's a very radical right um, move, right? that once there's a heter for Naguna, um, even though you have good reason to question it, you should not. Um, and one wonders whether Ramosh's claim that there's no permission to check it, so that could just be part of a general uh, principle about um, not relitigating cases that have been decided. Or that could also be a specific rule um, in Igun, and it may be an extension of that if somebody with authority uh, issues a PSAK, then your job is not to investigate it, um, but simply to to affirm it. Okay, we will uh, look forward to seeing you next episode.